Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Welcome back to the podcast, gals. Woo! Everybody. <laughs> it is basically week 11. It's basically three months into this. Things are starting to open up. Kind of. If you're in Ontario. If you're in Ontario. Everything's, I think, every other provinces is like starting. Had already started to open up, I believe. Yeah. I saw on Instagram today that National 17th in Calgary is open at three o'clock. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. Um, big news in Toronto this weekend. If you were at Trinity, Trinity Bellwoods, <laughs> just, you've been shamed uh, by everybody. Oh my God. I like have so many mixed feelings about I know. that. I know. I do too. If you didn't know, the same thing kind of happened in a park in um, Vancouver where someone took a picture of a bunch of people out like on the first nice day and Mm -hmm. posted it and it went viral and people went fucking bananas. But then another photographer who was at the exact same park on the exact same day had a shot of a like a drone overhead and everyone was social distancing. So camera angles are super important. Trini Mm -hmm. Bell was, was for sure packed on Saturday. Yeah. That's there's they no doubt in my 10, mind. Yeah, they said that there was 10,000 people there. That's fucking insane. Yeah. Um there's other parks in the city? There's <laughs> so many parks in the city. Yeah. I mean like so we were at Hyde Park, Hyde Parker. which is yeah. so much bigger and I mean you're able to spread out a little bit at that park. Um mm-hmm. but I also have mixed feelings about the Trinity Bellwoods things because I have been seeing for the past two days just so many memes and it's the same fucking picture. And I started seeing there's like the girl in the picture who there's a couple, a group of girls is like the focus of it. And there's like one girl whose face is on it and it's getting like put everywhere. And I get that like, we're disappointed in people that were there, but let's also not try to shame like one woman or like one group of women and make them a fucking meme. Like that's also not cool to me. Yeah. Like I'm seeing so many crazy Instagram like memes and everyone like just like, you know, like white girls, which is like, just let's not shame a woman for being at the park. There was 10,000 fucking people there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was bad, but it doesn't need to get like so involved and detailed that we're like focusing on one small portion of the photo, you know? Yeah. I have so many mixed feelings about it. Like what? I also just like having like mixed feelings about like how to conduct yourself in this kind of like in between area, you know, like things are open. They're saying that you can like go to stores and you can buy like, and I understand that we're still supposed to be physically distancing and social distancing and keeping your number of interactions small. But like, are we going to start shaming people that just like don't wear masks 24 seven? Are we going to make laws that like restrict how you can move around like actual laws? Mm -hmm. You know? I'm also super confused because like, like we said, we were at the park, we were at Hyde Park, not Bellwoods. And we were a group of five and Mm -hmm. there was like so many um, patrollers walking around and that were like, um, just like asking groups of people who were more than five to get further apart. Like they were in each area of Hyde Park. So I'm like very confused about like, where was that patrolling at Bellwoods? And like, why wasn't that happening? Because it was definitely happening where we were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bylaw officers walking around and asking people to move uh-huh, and like get further apart. Cause there was like some groups like that we could see in the distance that were like seven or eight or whatever. And yeah. 
they would just go around and be like, you guys need to like back up so everyone would like move their chairs apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was weird. It's just weird to me that like the level of protocol at High Park was like very different than the level of protocol at Bellwoods. Right. Yeah. I don't know. And then I also saw a post that actually by like a, a dancer that's like pretty well known in the community talking about like the responsibility of those people. And like, is it actually putting them in, in danger asking the patrollers to go and like ask people to separate? So yeah. you don't know how people are going to react to you, like trying to tell them what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. And also like, I also like to say the bylaw people who are asking people to socially distance were also not wearing masks. I know. I know. <laughs> So like, where is this, like, everybody should be wearing masks and, but nobody's like wearing masks. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like weird. It's I, we're in this like in between phase and there's just like a lot, my overall, like, cause I find even sometimes it's easy to get like annoyed at people because you're just like, you're trying to be safe and you're trying to quarantine. But like, we also have to have like a little bit of empathy for everybody because everybody is struggling right now. Every Mm -hmm. single company, every single person, every single small business, like everybody is struggling right now. And I think like, even when it comes to people like asking for like major, like if you put like a deposit down on something or like if you paid for something, like it's just like, it's taking, it's going to take everybody some time to like figure all this out, you know? Yeah. I think we all just need to have like a little bit more empathy for like everybody around us Mm -hmm. and like not really be like shaming people as much like try to like reconsider like yeah you could be annoyed and yeah it's frustrating but we also have to just be like this is like a very weird time and like we don't need to go to war with each other over it right you know i agree yeah (sighs) so those are my two cents on that (laughs) yeah uh yeah I agree. I don't know. It's fucking weird. Fucking weird. And that's that. (laughs) Yeah. That that is that. Yes. A funny thing that did happen on the weekend is Corinne (laughs) getting very into the drama that's happening with Call Me Daddy podcast. Oh my God, you guys. (laughs) You have not. I don't even listen. I don't even listen. listen. (laughs) I didn't realize like how popular they were. I was like, dude. Uh, listening to something this morning and they were talking about them and like they did fucking yeah. blow up for for what they are and, but it's guys if you're not caught up on this drama with um, Call Me Daddy podcast go it's like, like we said it's not me and Corinne's style we're not super like we're not we don't listen but the drama <laughs> is like very interesting yeah um, I don't think I need to give the like 35 minute explanation I tried to give you in Danica <laughs> and yelling bar stools barts at me <laughs> in the grocery store um, but yes it's if you're not caught up it's if you're interested in like podcasting and you're interested in like the whole like contracts and how it all works it's quite quite interesting to listen to yeah and you can get it from both sides you can get it from one of the hosts alex you can get it did sophia release a video Okay, so I was like looking this morning and because I was watching one of the videos that um that the head of Barstool Sports posted and he said yeah. something like, oh, Sophia, like her video comments didn't even make, like she didn't help anything. And I was like, did she fucking post a video and we didn't see it? 
So she posted like, I guess something to her Instagram story and somebody had posted them all on YouTube before Alex and, uh, what's his name? Dave, the head of Potney or something. Yeah. Potney posted. Um, but it's like fucking insane. Like the whole situation is, is crazy. Yeah. So you get it from all three sides. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. I also like really wanted to know who suit man was. So I like, it was intense this morning. <laughs> Did you, I think we could like figure it out if you were like sleuthy enough, right? It's like there's so many articles about it. It's like all over it. It's yeah. like his picture. He's like the head of HBO Sports. Oh, God. So it's like a whole fucking shit show. Yeah. Yeah. And then anyway. if you want to see a really funny sat- satire or parody, you can go to Sorry About Last Night, which is the podcast hosts of... Um, guys we fucked and they pretend to be them and record an episode like them and it's fucking hilarious <laughs> i'm just into it i'm into all the shade <laughs> it's so crazy it's so funny <sighs> yeah i'm like I we so i watched the video last night with danica when we were doing a puzzle okay we, like we watched alex's like response video after yeah. you told us about it and it's like very interesting but I, oh, I can't wait if you have 30 minutes to kill just to listen which to you something, probably do. which I mean, <laughs> probably do, uh, listen to it. It's very interesting to see like everything that happened. And yeah, like I said, I'm not a listener. I'm not a fan of theirs, but it has been like, I was very intrigued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this After week. that update, um, this, <laughs> this week we have Lindsay Francisco. Yeah. Lindsay was, I think episode like eight of season yeah. one. She was like one of our favorite episodes of season one, I think too. Yeah. She was like the first person that came on and was like, I think I'm done. And I'm like, not going to do it again at this point. Yeah. She's super raw, super real. Um, and it was nice hearing that like standpoint because I mean, like everything that we're interested in in this podcast is like people that are, you know, doing, doing it and doing the hard work and the questioning of, if, is this making you happy? And, and stuff so it was interesting because she was the first person that didn't give us a response when we asked like is it killing you and it's always like it's killing me but i love it which is like a lovely response but she was just like yeah i'm done like i don't want to do it anymore (laughs) yeah which is i think an important discussion to like have yeah totally with yourself and with your colleagues you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's super interesting but we re-interviewed her yeah and she's so lovely and i miss her (laughs) miss her face (laughs) <laughs> right and i miss all of you so please let us know if you're listening and uh hit us up on itunes spotify all the things guys yeah here we go so last time we talked to you Lindsay, you had well we'd like the entire interview we really spent like talking about how you might be done pursuing acting yes because it was unfulfilling what happened yeah. next Oh gosh. I, I had to look at the, at the time that we did that. It was two years ago. I didn't even realize. Um, I know. I think it was around this month as well, two years ago. Um, so yeah, I had been, uh, thinking about leaving it then. Um, I ended up serving for another year because I did not know what the heck I was doing next. Um, and then <laughs> that's, funny i heard somebody in the background say what are you going to be doing I was like well i don't know <laughs> i don't know where that was um 
one of you guys. Anyway, um, so yeah, I served for another year. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. And then I realized, well, I always wanted to finish my degree. So I decided to go back to school and I took the plunge and I, uh, and what back- was your degree in? It, well, I only had first year. So it was sort of a general arts. I had more English studies than anything. Um, I had first year general credits and second year level English. Mm-hmm. But I went back this year thinking I would study philosophy um, and take mm-hmm. a little bit of psychology. And after taking some philosophy, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I think this is not what I actually wanted to study full time. <laughs> Uh, so I've, I've switched to psychology. Uh, I'm going to be getting a major in psychology. Yeah. Which is fun. Uh, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing with that still, but I'm glad I took the leap as it were. Mm -hmm. And while you're in school, are you still doing acting things or you're completely off the grid now? I am completely off the grid. Um, (laughs) I had wanted to though, um, because I'm going to Western and they do a summer Shakespeare production every year. And I was clicking every month on their, their webpage, looking for what their production was going to be. And then of course COVID hit. And uh, I don't think that they're going to be doing one this year. So Mm -hmm. that is kind of up in smoke. Um, But yeah, artistically, like I, I definitely wanted to do it because I haven't done that in such a long time. And I do find myself missing that. Yeah, but it wasn't really. <laughs> yeah, it's not something I could do when I'm in school. Certainly, because I'm I'm working all the time, mm-hmm. uh, either in schoolwork or I serve part time to help pay my way through. And mm-hmm. There's just not room for both, unfortunately. But then that comes in with uh, how can I find a, a full time gig that will also allow me to pursue my hobbies on the side? Mm. Just a balancing act, right? So. Yeah. Um, well, my gosh, I just completely lost my questions. (laughs) Oh, I know. Um, so because you've been, you've been a bit too busy, um, with school, obviously, but has like being Mm. in COVID by any means made you feel re-inspired by your, your artwork or your acting, or I just know like a lot of actors who are like, never haven't been doing a lot of haven't taken like an acting class in a while. And now they're taking like Mm. zoom acting classes for, because there's time, you know? Oh, Zoom acting classes. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that would work for a film actor fairly well, actually, because you, the way that you're seen is via that medium anyway. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, point. that would be really useful for people. I've seen a lot of people working on projects that are sort of collecting people's experiences via video calls and whatnot. Um, haven't really wanted to partake in that. I think my creativity has found a new outlet. And I think that's one of the things that school really uh, opened my eyes to. Um, I mean, art is definitely the most direct way to express oneself creatively, I suppose. But then I found through assignments and essays and things like that, that I was feeling like I was sort of exercising some of the same muscles in weird ways mm-hmm. um, when it came to creating assignments and ideas and putting together thoughts um, in a way that I didn't expect to happen. Um, 
I actually found some weird connections between the process of creating an essay or an like a sort of an assessment of something and the acting process, which surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. Why did that surprise you? I guess um, I, th- I suppose I had put them into two different realms, and then I sort of started to see the ways that the creative process could come out in other things as well. Um, an example might be, um, you, you ever have somebody say the phrase to you, kill your babies? Yes. I use that yeah. sign all the time. I use that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Yes. Um, for anybody who might not know, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's basically when you have something you've created and you, you love it so much and you think it's so precious and it's just the best thing in the world. It's probably not the best thing in the world and you've become a little too attached to it and you have to mm-hmm. kind of cut down to the meat of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a pretty good basic explanation. But I was finding the same thing was happening with my essays. I might have something that I was really passionate about and I'd get really into it and I'd explain it and whatnot. And I'd do okay. And then I'd look at the format of what they asked us to do and the guidelines and the structure. And I'd be like, fine, you know what, for my next essay, I'm not going to be all like involved and passionate. I'm just going to like stay within the guidelines. And I do that and I do better. Mm-hmm. But I realized it's because working within that structure still allowed that creativity without it getting messy. It, mm-hmm. it kept it clean, if you will. Um, so I don't know. I thought, I thought that was a really interesting. Is, are we talking about like writing specifically in like academia, like in, in school? Yeah. 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 Like for my philosophy essays, I noticed that, but then also for some of my assignments for psychology, which you would think would not involve much creativity, but really, I mean, that's the thing It surprised me is the process of having ideas and coming up with things ways of explaining things that it it actually was more fulfilling than I expected it to be to sort of I guess that's why you know plagiarism is such an offense because (laughs) the amount of energy it comes that it requires to come up with an idea and explain it and make it palatable to people is actually quite a creative process Um, right yeah it really sucks your soul when somebody steals your work yeah it's it's writing like it's like drawing with colors almost like you don't you can't say anything that shows that you're emotional about anything or that you're either side like you can't really show even if you have an opinion about something you can't show that that opinion is because of like passion or because of like you are so crazy like believe it it has to be like the facts right? It can never, it can never be broadcasted as something. If yes, the minute that you seem sentimental about the topic is like the minute your essay is thrown out the window. Yeah, pretty much. I think I had a a prof state almost exactly that. Um, he said something like, this is not an opinion piece. Mm. Um, and yeah, at first I, I might've thought of that as like, oh, well then I don't get to be creative. I don't get to express myself. That's not quite true. It just, forces you to become really clean and really precise. And um, I would almost say it's a form of non-attachment in a way, because instead of being so attached to this idea that I must prove, 
instead I'm taking a step back and laying out the framework and hoping that you see my point, which in a weird way is also the same way that with acting, <laughs> I'm going to make another weird connection here. You can't like overemphasize that you're angry or that you're sad or whatever. Cause it's like the audience will get it. All you can do is put your work there and hope that they understand. Mm-hmm. You can't just like jam it in and become sentimental, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know. Very like similar. That sounds like just like very similar to the way that you were describing um how to not be so attached to this thing that you thought you wanted in the beginning and how you knew you like wanted a shift in your life mm. and like trying to like view it logically and not sentimental and not hold on to the things that you thought you wanted. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I was really listening to the podcast as well. And I think there was Mm -hmm. such an attachment to the idea of being an actor and what that had to look like that it actually prevented me from, I would say the true pursuit of the craft, because I think I would have been more focused on actually working no matter what capacity that was in, um, than I would have been on, you know, getting an agent and getting the results and whatnot. Um, I think it just would have been a different process. Um, I would have seen it differently. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the non-attachment thing is kind of interesting to me that, um, I think it really, allows you freedom. I remember from a lot of acting classes I took that and there were so many stories of actors who would do well and would book all these gigs and they were doing great. And then, you know, one guy, he had a baby and now he had this mortgage over his head and he became kind of desperate for the work. And that's when he stopped booking is mm-hmm. because he really needed it. Right. And then it changed his work. It changed his art and it became something different. Mm. It was like a need to work out of desperation to work, not a need because you're interested in the work. You know, I guess it like has to do more with like also to do with like picking, doing work that's passion projects versus doing work that makes money. Right. Well, I think it it affected his, his auditions from what I understand. Um, And I imagine it would, because instead of focusing on doing the work of this role, you might instead be thinking, okay, well, what is it they, they want to see? Like what, what character is it that they need here? And and trying to push it a little bit as opposed to just doing your thing because you're so desperate for the end result. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about the goal rather than the destination as it were, we're going to get philosophical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the goal rather than the journey yeah not goal destination <laughs> uh, fried brain i've been inside too many days yeah <laughs> yeah it's getting hard it's real. now that it's nice out <laughs> yeah well yes. sunny but still bloody cold that's for sure mm. Mm. a little chilly um so besides you like wanting to do this Shakespeare with your school, but it being canceled because of COVID-19, what else has changed for you because of this? Oh, because of COVID? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, in, 
of ironically, I would say that my life is less stressful. Um, there's a different kind of stress of at first there was, what am I doing? I should be doing things. I need to organize all of my clothing. I need to rearrange <laughs> all my school books. I need to do all these things. None of which I've done. None of which I've done. Um, mm -hmm. so I've kind of let that fall, but it's weird. Um, disclaimer, I'm obviously not happy about how much it's affected the world and the economy and the people's lives that have been affected. But on the positive note, I would say that I think it's been kind of a good thing to be able to take a bit of a break from the routine of normal life, um, sort of take a step back in a way, because yeah. um, I think that modern life is very go, go, go. Um, mm -hmm. It's nonstop. We're always going from one place to another. And this has forced everybody to step back and take a breather, if you will. Um, so that yeah. is one, if we have to look for a positive silver lining there, it's <laughs> something at least, right? Pollution. Pollution seems better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Well, because we're not, we're not doing anything. Not, no more planes. Well, less planes, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of um, important that we've been able to sort of take a step back and maybe not be going everywhere all the time, trying to finish and accomplish all the things. And I feel like we saw that movement on social media, though. What was mm -hmm. the first thing that happened as soon as COVID came around and everybody had to stay home? It was like, your 30 day fitness journey, your reorganization, 30 day journey, oh how to like fix this and fix this and like be the best shape ever and bake a loaf of sourdough bread. Like, Hey, <laughs> hey, if you did that, Don't all the power to go. Oh, I love sourdough. But, um, oh, I would bring you so many loaves, Lindsay. What you make sourdough. I do now. Oh my God. See, I'll just eat other people's sourdough. I don't want to make it. Okay. Exactly. I'm the same way. Don't worry. <laughs> just, just feed me the sourdough, and I will pat you on the back because that starter grosses me out, man. Ugh, I can't. Like when people make kombucha, and you have to see that like disgusting blobby thing that they use for it. Oh. I'm also on the same track with that, Lindsay. I think it's disgusting. It's so gross. It looks like. You're telling me that's alive and I'm going to drink it. Yes. I don't want to think about the fact that I'm going to drink it. It does taste good, but it looks, it looks awful. It's literally just hating on everything I have going on in my house right now. <laughs> Corinne's got all this like fermenting things inside of her apartment. It's a real thing. True. Yeah. I'm going to bottle the kombucha today. Oh my God. I, I appreciate that. And people who can pickle things, all the power to you. I just... I can't be bothered. I know. <laughs> it is, it's so interesting how it's like forcing. I feel like it's gone in waves, right? Like it, like we had all of a sudden, everybody had so much time on their hands and everyone was like, I'm going to start this new project. I'm going to start a novel. I'm going to do this. And now we're in the wave where people are just like, oh yeah, I forgot I was going to finish a novel two weeks ago. And they're like, yeah. and they're in the point where they're just like, okay, maybe I think people are starting to realize that like these things that they were always like, oh, if I had more time, I'd be so passionate about this. It's like, no, 
you're not. It's like, it's still, you know, it's still just something you like the grass is always greener about, you know, I, I don't think it's mm-hmm. like, it's actually something you want to do. It's more like something that you like fantasize about doing because you'll never do it. You know, I don't know. That makes no, sense. But... I do see that. And I wonder yeah. what is in that, that having that idea of this thing that you will do. And it's, it seems like it's almost better that we never have the time to do it because then it stays in that fantastical realm of like, oh, well, my life would have been perfect if I could have just done this. Mm-hmm. And then we realize that we can, and it wouldn't make your life perfect anyway. Right. It, know, like, it makes you rethink that, like saying that's like, don't like wait to do it, just do it. It's like, yeah, but if you like are waiting to do it and you're not just doing it, it's probably because you actually aren't ever going to do it, <laughs> which is like very glass half empty. But I think that's like truth. There's truth in that. No? Yeah. Yeah. I think there is truth in that. And I suppose it's not necessarily half empty. It might be more of a having to know what your values really are. Um, yeah. And like, why, why is it in the first place that you think that you want to do that thing? What is mm-hmm. it? What does it represent for you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, right. I think you're it's right like those- about um, the sort of the curve. We're flattening the productivity curve. Um <laughs> Because people, pressure. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, like people, I felt like they were doing so many things, and now there is this sort of, I guess, the pendulum is swimming, swinging back, and there seems to be more of a discussion around. Don't feel like you have to do all these things. You don't have to be super productive. You don't have to accomplish anything. Kudos to anybody who does, but uh-huh. maybe you don't need to be creative even in this time. I mean. They say replenishing the the stores is always a good idea. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's I've heard from a lot of people that it's and my own personal experiences. It's like very hard to be creative right now. Yeah, especially if you like gather a lot of that inspiration or creativity from other people and like working collaboratively, right? Mm. And just being stressed right now and not knowing what's going on, especially in the beginning when we had like very little information, nobody knew how long it was going to last. All of that kind of stuff affects your create, I think affects your creativity because it's all like a part of who you are really. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's sort of a necessary time to take a break. I think it's Mm -hmm. the instinct because we go from one thing to another is probably to produce, produce, produce. But I think we've really forgotten the value of stepping away and stepping back and that sometimes you need to just rest. And I laugh at all those Instagram influencers who are, you know, doing all their crazy workouts and all the things all the time. And it's like, but what about, what if we just didn't, what if we just took a step back and we're like, when was the last time I rested for a couple of weeks, you know, and just, let everything gel. Mm -hmm. I feel like I definitely jumped into like my teenager self. (laughs) Like I like love being horizontal and I like have the appetite of Shaggy from Scooby and the gang. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. (laughs) And we're home now so we can cook more. I mean, I would say that that's certainly been a major creative outlet for me because when I was going to school every day and like, working after or coming home and working on things like my the things I ate sucked. <laughs> like 
<laughs> I would just throw a bunch of stuff together in like a bag for lunch and not even want to eat it because it wasn't like well thought out or well planned. Now I'm home. I'm making like bacon bagels, sandwiches and like market chicken Kiev and all of these beautiful things that I didn't get to eat before and some vegetarian stuff too because I'm balanced, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've been baking and I haven't got to bake in forever. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some things that you enjoy doing, but mostly I just enjoy being horizontal and playing so many video games. Like I've played more video games in this in this past like month than I've played probably in my entire lifetime. Yes. I oh <laughs> just jumped back onto that because I had exams two weeks ago. And then once I was finished that, it was like, I'm downloading The Witcher 3. <laughs> it's actually what Amazing. I was saying before I talked to you guys. <laughs> it's also so funny that like we're in this like Animal Crossing, which I don't really understand what it is as a game. But from what I understand of it, it's like a way of communicating and like, traveling but like within a virtual nintendo realm and so like, have you not heard i feel like everybody's talking about this game no i'm out of the loop oh, i feel like it's, it's i don't i mean i don't play it but we like looked into downloading it and we we're like this seems not fun but everybody <laughs> is talking about it and you can like travel islands and like you like basically essentially are like working to make more money to pay off things to like get a better island it's is what I think it is, which is so interesting to me that like these games like Animal Crossing, The Sims, like Habo Hotel, I've seen people playing again, but it's all games that you like played to interact with people when you like couldn't interact with people, it feels like, you know, or like Ooh. ways that you wanted to like interact with people, but you ha- could still be like lazy about it. So the fact <laughs> that like those three games are like um, hot topics right now and hot like things to do is so interesting, especially like considering what like we're living through right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't really played those interactive games. I usually do some sort of RPG fantasy where I don't have to interact with people. <laughs> 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 video games are my escape from the world generally i don't really want to go into the world more but right i could see why people would want to do that in this time um i've yeah. definitely had more zoom dates like oh, zoom yeah. family <laughs> dates <laughs> people yeah, are, are like dating via zoom Lindsay? not not dates sorry actually oh, okay. like, like family dates mm, like okay a, yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, I hear there are some people who are doing the Bumble dating thing. Uh, I, I don't really know what the point of that would be during the pandemic, but sure. If you like chatting endlessly online, go for it. <laughs> I mean, I I miss like MSN Messenger. If we were going to like endlessly chat online and just like hang out with each other without hanging out with each other, you know? I don't mm. know if I would be into, I don't know. Because those like long extended periods of time before you meet someone that you've met online, you just like build up in my experience, you like build up more about them and then you meet them and you're more likely to be disappointed. Oh yeah. I mean, when I was doing online (laughs) dating, it was, I have to meet you in a week or I don't even want to text you anymore because I'm bored. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. There's that initial excitement of like, Ooh, what are they like? I don't know. Okay. Let's go on a date right now. And then if you wait past that week, it's like, oh, I've got this thing coming up. Oh, I've got this thing. Oh, never mind. 
mais qu'est-ce que je suis? Why bother? <rire> wah, wah. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for catching up with us, Lindsay. It's been super nice talking to you. It's always so easy when we chat with you. Yeah, I like yeah. these. It's kind of like a coffee date, but I don't have coffee and we're not around each other. So it's not a coffee date, really, but thanks for having me. Uh, I just wanted to say, by the way, I'm so impressed by you guys and the amount of work that you guys get done. The fact that you're mm. staying productive, um, not that you have to be productive, but just, you know, <laughs> you guys are always hustling. Hustling, hustling, and I find that really impressive. So, oh. plus your content is great. All your photos are so fun. Oh, <laughs> I will say, yeah. I feel like we ought to tag on to that. I should say that sometimes it doesn't. We, I mean, sometimes it's it's not easy to be hustling all the time, just so people don't feel. Yeah, you know, sometimes it feels like the hustle is like too much. Sometimes, but it yeah it just gets done. You know. And that's mm-hmm. the name and, of your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like what might look like hustling from the outside is different on what it is on the inside. I would also like to yeah. point mm-hmm. out. Yeah, that's true. Well, mm-hmm. either way, it's impressive. So kudos to you, ladies. Thank you. That's very nice of you. I miss your face. Me too. We can hang out sometime. I don't know when. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know when it's going to happen. You know, I really don't want to come to Toronto because you guys have it pretty rough there. Like, I don't know if you know anybody who's personally been, I don't know, stopped for walking too close together, but that sounds rough. I don't, yeah. thankfully. Good, yeah. good. But I think it's pretty rare. Um, also, we're white people, so, you know. If you're white, you're not being stopped as much. So that's just unfortunately a fact. <laughs> I think that's true because you're obviously yeah. up to good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that post and about what happened in, in New York over the weekend, but it's pretty oh, insane. No. Uh, oh, just they reopened the parks and like um, somebody posted a picture of all these people at the parks, no masks, nothing on. And like the cops are going into, um, I think, like primarily, um, like neighborhoods that don't have a bunch of white people in it and like arresting people for just like walking. But like, there's just like, you know, people at the park that are all white and they're so close together, no masks, like not practicing social distancing at all, not being arrested. So, you know, it's so, it's just crazy. I think that's still happening in a pandemic, but yeah, I guess those things only get heightened, unfortunately. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I feel very privileged to be, you know, we like Lucas is working. So I'm feeling very, I feel like I, I have it pretty good, <laughs> mm, mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's very, very insane, but it's, I think it's important to remember that we're, we're quite lucky. You know, we all are in houses and you know we're recording a podcast today so i obviously don't have it that hard right now <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. true that's true yeah. i mean do you know like, anybody that's been affected by uh covid um my dad's girlfriend's son has it um oh, wow. somebody else i think that i knew who had it nobody directly related to me but um like a woman I went to an acting class once with, she got it 
And the funny thing is she's an Air Canada, um, what do you call it? A stewardess? Stewardess? Right. Servant attendant? Service attendant? I don't know. She did so many flights, international. She even did repatriation flights for Canadian citizens um, who were coming back home. Was fine. Took some vacation leave to get away from it all. Went to the grocery store and got COVID. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You never know. Crazy. That's very crazy. Well, I mean, I'm just like thinking about all those people right now. (laughs) Okay. Because it's rough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No kidding. I don't mean to end this on such a dark note, (laughs) but I just feel like I keep digging this tunnel of darkness. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much for chatting with us, Lindsay. Yes. Thank you. uh, For those of you that don't know, we're going to just tag on the rest of Lindsay's episode that we recorded almost two years ago, which is crazy um, after this. So thank you guys all for tuning in and stay tuned for some more Lindsay. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Francisco? Yes. Okay. Cool. I was like, <laughs> sexy last name. <laughs> That's amazing. That's not your show name? That's your actual That's my name? name? Yeah. Lindsay Francisco? That's why I was like, why would I change it? It's already pretty sweet. Oh, my <laughs> God. I feel like you're like a hot girl in a Bond movie. That name is awesome. <laughs> uh, if you haven't figured it out. Already, yeah. everyone, we're here with my good friend, Lindsay Francisco. <laughs> she is an actress. Yes. And we met when we were both working at this terrible restaurant last <laughs> summer. What show was it? Oh, are we uh, going to name yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> In Yorkville. Fuck them. <laughs> we have uh, no filters on this show anymore. No. <laughs> it was awful in the sense that it was just a terrible work environment. It was like a terrible like human experience I would say yeah like seeing the dredges of humanity yeah it's it's so weird to work somewhere where the customers just think they're so much better than you in every way shape or form and you get treated like it on a daily basis yeah you describe the customers how would you describe them besides that like what's your typical typical guest that would walk into Oh god! Like Justin Bieber, but well, <laughs> that kind of. Oh, did we did we have that happen one time? Bieber? Maybe. Oh, it was my first shift. Oh, weird. that I was not training, and I was on the patio, and Justin Bieber sat in my section. Ha! Huh. I somehow missed out on that. It was weird. I'm cool with missing out on that. I shouldn't say my section. Our like our section as like a team on the patio. Oh, weird. So I was like. Huh. Walked by him a bunch, and then everybody was like freaking out. And there's like teeny boppers on the streets, like taking pictures. I was like, "This is weird." Yeah, it's like, why? How is this like real life? Yeah, yeah, it was you weird know, for me. I feel like most of the time it was okay, though. It was just the Saturday and Sunday brunch people that were really hard to deal with mm. because everybody wanted like their really fancy almond milk latte with extra steamed foam on the side, and like. Can I make up my own omelet sort of thing? Yeah. 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 I love going to brunch. I never would ever want to be a server in a brunch place ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I'm going to avoid that specifically for the future. Forever. Not my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you guys met at Yes. Yes. We met at Uh, We worked there for probably six months together. 
Yeah, I think it was about that half a year before we both decided it wasn't for us anymore. I mean, like it was kind of decided for me, but <laughs> that's true. They did they did lay off all the summer staff. Yeah, that's true for the most part, barring a few. Yeah, I mean, they whatever. <laughs> uh, whatever doesn't matter. Over it. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. Not resentful at all. No, actually not really. I'm like so paranoid that somebody would actually hear this. Who cares? I don't know. What are they going to do? Not hire us? True. Also, like, I really don't think like our demographic is like stuffy old restaurant owners. So I think like we're all good. I don't think looking for us. True. 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 Come searching. This is true. Um, besides the restaurant itself was fine. Yeah. Excellent kitchen team. Sure. Pretty good staff. Just some terrible clientele. Yeah. <laughs> and in an area of town that I never really want to work again. Yeah. Really? I, just because it's like, because it's known for being that way. Yeah. Right. It's knowing for being like that idea. Yeah. yeah. Unless the Oxley wanted to hire me. <laughs> the Oxley was hiring. <laughs> I know they didn't look at my resume. Oh, oh no! It's fine. That's weird, Jameson. I'm just gonna keep real quiet. I love working for you, Jameson. You're amazing. Please transfer me to the Oxley. Uh, that is all I have to say. Probably better money there, eh? I mean, I make pretty good money there. It's fine. It's consistent. Yeah. Okay. Enough about Joe Jobs. Yeah. Uh, so you. Caught the acting bug, Lindsay, when you were young. I did. I don't really know when the moment was because I, I feel like I think every kid says they want to be an actor too, right? That's the thing. Every kid's like, I want to be an actor or like a princess <laughs> or something like that. Because you see something like revered and loved and you're like, I want to be that. Um, Interesting. But I don't know. I guess kids play act all the time. And then when that transitions into doing stage stuff when you're a kid there's like kind of no line between it mm. like I guess I did my first play when I was five at this place called the Huron County Playhouse I was in the Wizard of Oz and I was just one of the kids and did I get to play the pretty ballerina girls at the beginning that do like the little tutu and the flower dance no I was one of the um I don't even know what you call them anymore the lollipop guild. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was with two other boys. Yeah, and I had to wear, like, a yellow lollipop guild. And they put a bald cap on my head. <laughs> Which is every five-year-old's dream. Yeah. <laughs> but they had to use this sticky gum stuff in it. Um, and it got caught so many times that they ended up cutting my hair. I think my mom did, so it was really short. Because it wow. just uh, it got really gross, all the stuff. So, Yeah. I don't think it probably looked very good anyway, putting this weird plastic covering on a child's head to make her look bald. Like, I don't think that it looked like a bald lollipop guild member either. So I don't really know what they were Are the lollipop them, members bald in the movie? I think they have a little sprig of hair on the top of their head, like alfalfa sort of thing. Yeah. Do you, it's weird. Have you ever had short hair since then? Uh, yes, <laughs> and it didn't look great, and it reminded me of how I looked like when I was a kid, and I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not me. It's just not my style. No. So you caught the acting bug then? Yes, yes. Um, Did you do more productions throughout elementary school and junior high and high school? 
I must have done like, I think I must have done Christmas plays and stuff like that. Um, somehow it was still always around. I can't really think of anything because then we moved when I was in grade two. So that always like kind of throws a loop into things. But then when I was in grade four, so I, I was living in Cortland at the time, this small town, and London, Ontario was shooting this film. Um, it was called Secret Shade. And it was about these, uh, like this cultist group of young girls who all wear pink dresses and like play with skipping ropes, but they like drown kittens. And I was going to say like a young Handmaid's Tale, but then you said that. <laughs> no, not, in, not at all. But I like bully the new girls into doing things. Eventually they bully the one girl into like climbing this tree to get this Robin's egg and she falls down and she dies. And that's like the majority of the film. Um, cool. But yeah, I landed that when I was nine and I really loved the experience of being on set. Um, I just thought it was like a great community. You know, you're there all day. Um, I, I loved that and I liked being a part of it. Like I remember I was helping them carry things at the end of the day and you know, like this nine-year-old kid like carrying sound boxes and shit like that. Helping um, crew. <laughs> well, no, there was one person who said something and who even knows if I made this up in my head or not, but um, I was helping out at the end of the day and one of the persons there, the persons said, um, well, you know, if she doesn't become an actor, she'll be crew for sure. And I remember that and I held on to that phrase forever. And I never did become crew, did I? <laughs> <laughs> but I still have a whole lifetime in front of me, so you never know. <laughs> um, so let's jump ahead to school. Yes. Yes. So, so, you, so um, you got into, correct me if I'm wrong, but you got into York, yes. had scholarships. Yes. Decided not to go. Yes. So York University, this was after high school. I didn't actually do a lot of theater or anything in high school because I was so self-conscious. I couldn't even imagine doing a play in front of people. Like, I didn't think anybody would take it, nobody would take it seriously there. This is my mindset. It was just kind of the geeky thing that you did, and it wasn't, like, professional quality, so I didn't want to do it. I was also, like, yeah, super self-conscious teenager, didn't really want to expose myself that way in front of my peers. Right. So I just kind of avoided doing theater and that stuff until then. So that's probably why I didn't accept York University, because... York's first year was general, and then after that, you have to audition to get into the actual acting portion in second year, and that scared the crap out of me. I was so afraid that I wouldn't get into it, and then what would I do then that I went to Queens instead? Even would though, you have been in the same year as Anne Mur Annie Murphy, who's on Schitt's Creek? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? She went to York. Oh. oh. Very possible. I don't know. Um, even though you had a whole year. Yeah. Before those auditions, yeah. you were already so worried about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because well, you could have taken, in general, you could have taken acting classes, right? Like, hopefully there would have been, like, way, avenues for you to prepare. Yeah. I don't think that I felt, I guess, empowered enough at the time to be able to do that because I hadn't done anything for so long acting-wise. It was kind of this thing that I wanted to do, but I... Perhaps I didn't feel that I deserved not having practiced the craft for a long time. Um, and I didn't even think of the fact that for a year I could be practicing. I was just, all I could think of is what happens if I audition for second year and I don't get into it? What do I do then? Because to me, just having that start of that and not being able to follow through with it was just not going to work. Um, 
That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, it was, I'm pretty sure I was pretty anxious about it. <laughs> this discussion. I think that my anxiousness is not a current thing. I think it's an all my life thing. So <laughs> <laughs> it was not, uh, it was not an easy time for me. Um, so I went to Queens and I think I even knew then that I had made the wrong decision because I was never really happy there. What were I, you taking at Queens? So I was taking their drama program. Okay. Yeah, which was very, very general. Um, it would have specified more, it would have got more specific in second and third and fourth year. But I think I really wanted to be somewhere where I was in more of a studio environment um, because there was a lot of sort of theater history and general arts. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with the program at all. I, I know several people who took it and people that I would have been in the same year with who are now successfully acting. So that's not the issue. It just wasn't what I wanted to do really. What was the idea that you had in your mind that you wanted to do that Queens wasn't giving for you? I wanted an environment where I was really going to immerse myself in the craft. Like instead of, I wanted something that was going to be hard on me. Like conservatory Um, style hard. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, because Queens was really welcoming and you had that opportunity to like make your own things and really branch out. And it was a pretty safe space, um, which is great. But for some reason I craved an environment where they would bash me over the head with my mistakes and <laughs> right put me through the fire, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, which has its own pluses and negatives. So from there, I made the decision to leave Queens, which was kind of funny because if I just went to York and did a year there, it would have been the same thing. Um, would have still only done a year, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I ended up living with my mom for a little bit of time in London, Ontario, uh, did a bunch of community theater so that I would feel good about the auditions. And then, um, I did a bunch of auditions terribly. And finally for my last audition, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go in there and not try to do anything. I'm just going to be myself and be honest. And I did. And that's the only one I got into. <laughs> it was George Brown. Because <laughs> I remember getting the, the letter in the mail and my mom was like, here you go. Because she thought it was, it was such a thin little letter. She thought it was a denial for sure. And then I got was it. Was it like in a regular envelope? Like, yeah, just a not regular envelope. Not full no, 8 by 11? Just a little thin paper folded up, you know. Hey, guess what? You're in. I was like, oh my God. Sweet. When they still did like paper acceptances? Yeah, I guess they don't do that anymore. That happened to my sister, and she threw out her AMDA letter, her acceptance letter to AMDA. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, I'm going to just make sure. And then <laughs> went digging in the trash what? and, like, sat and found it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. bad. Yeah. So, yeah, I got in there, and then from there on, it was three years of intense conservatory-style training. Um, very intense program. The second year being the hardest, because we were there Monday to Saturday, and I think we'd get there at eight 30 in the morning and leave at, and there were like breaks in between, but leave at nine 30 or 10 at night. And you couldn't really have a job or anything on the side. It was an intense program. There's actually a lot of controversy about it now. I probably don't want to get into it too much, but cause that's where, is that the director who's no, that's not him. Well, <laughs> there was a lot of controversy at the time about people just, feeling uncomfortable with one of the acting directors. Yeah. Um, and he's since, I don't know if he left of his own accord or if they made him leave, uh, he's gone because it was a very old school style of like, this is how you come across on stage. 
And if you don't like it, too fucking bad because I'm not here to coddle you. So it was very old school, um, which I kind of, in a way, liked. That's like what you were looking for almost, eh? It was no bullshit, yeah. you know? Um, I think there were how did, times that compassion definitely could have been a thing, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we like, how did you deal, like, being an anxious person in that environment? Not very well. <laughs> not very well at all. Um... It's kind of a, an ongoing narrative for me that I would just think if I just work harder and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse, this will be better. And for art of any kind, I, I think that's just death because you don't like bash it over the head until it's like this automatic thing that you can just do robotically the same every time, right? Each moment is different and creative and alive. I'm sure you understand that as dancers. So yeah. there wasn't really much... There was a lot of craft to what I was doing. Like I was crafting a thing, but there was no authenticity and no life. It was like wearing a straight jacket, I suppose. But the funny thing is like, they saw it, they knew. Um, and the more I got this feedback of like, this is not where your work is supposed to be. The harder I would try until finally I had a couple of breakthrough moments, um, where I was just like, fuck it. Fuck. This is obviously not working. I hate this. I'll just, I've already done the work. Just let it go. And I would have a few breakthrough performances that were like great and they're fully alive. And I was like really integrated with the moment. And I mean, that's what you want when you're in that zone. Um, that flow. Yeah. But I was never really able to find that consistently. I knew I could get it here and there, but I didn't leave. I left theater school proud of myself and my growth, but I didn't leave with a sense of trust in myself that I could do this again I don't know if anybody feels like that out of school yeah (laughs) you know yeah I didn't it's true (laughs) Rainy's just shaking her head fuck that shit yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah I don't know if anybody feels like that after school so you're definitely not alone yes well Um, and it's so weird graduating from school because it's like you've just been in this intense environment where you were practicing the thing that you love endlessly and now all of a sudden you're just going out into the world. Nobody's going to hold your hand or show you what to do. There's like a whole world out there. What the fuck do I do now? Also, there's this like weird idea of when you're in university, you've like paid your tuition, you've paid everything. You just go to class. You just go and you learn and you take class every day mm-hmm. and you just go. Yeah. yeah. You know, especially when you're in something that you're being marked very clearly on something while you're there. So like acting, dance, um, you know, music. Yeah. You just go and you get better. And then you like come into the outside world and you wake up and you're like, I could go to class today. Or I I don't feel like it. (laughs) Why am I trying to stress? I spent four years doing this. I I need a break. I'm exhausted. (laughs) And then, and then slowly you're just like, I haven't taken class in two fucking months. Like what's wrong with me? Like I need to get back in. I haven't even put on fucking shoes. Yeah. Or I've done nothing but drink. Yeah. There's, there's no pressure. There's a very weird, you know, year to 18 months to whenever you figure it out between you realizing that there needs to be more motivation. Ah, see, it's interesting that you say that because I actually felt like there was more pressure after I was out of school because when I was in school, I didn't have a choice about my life. Everything was decided for me, where I had to be, what time, what I was going to do. 
didn't have to choose like monologues, didn't have to really create anything. It was already like very structured, right? Whereas when I came out of school, I had no idea what to do next. There were things about the acting process that I didn't particularly like. I never liked finding monologues and rehearsing them. I never liked looking over some scripts. There were just some things that I didn't really enjoy. And to just go out into the world and be like, well, what do I do next acting wise? I I had no idea what to do because especially even holding a serving gig, I didn't even know how people would find the time to do like four rehearsals a week and then do a theater show or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, still an ongoing struggle, I think is just balancing those two lifestyles. Yeah. Balancing that life. Finding balance between like, things that fuel you creatively being able to pay your rent Mm. and then, you know, the rest of your life, like, yeah. Friends and family and sleep and, and other interests too. I felt like if I was supposed to pursue an acting career, I had to put everything into it and everything else was on the side. So I think that might be why I kind of like up and left for New Zealand for a year because I thought, God, when am I going to travel then if I'm supposed to do this right. acting thing with all of my time? Right. So did you, you didn't act at all when you were in New Zealand? No. Didn't audition for anything? I actually did. I, I was working at, so firstly I was working in the Bay of Islands and I was working at this little restaurant and I thought, why don't I just like send out to some agents in Auckland just to see. Mm-hmm. Um, they tell neighbors over there. that's what every famous australian comes from so well i was like hey you never know do you need if you need like a young woman with a canadian or north american accent i'm here hey i'm here for a year i've got a working visa you can hire me but uh i didn't really get any response from that i don't think that that was really a thing that they needed so (laughs) right (laughs) i don't think that that was something that was necessary but then i did audition for um this musical number when I was working at a ski, a mountain resort sort of thing, um, on the South Island, I auditioned and they wanted to give me the part that I wanted. And then I declined because I was so worried that I would screw up my acting technique or something like that. I don't even know what it was at the time. I was just so stressed about it. I don't know. I didn't even have, I don't know, I loved New Zealand, but even then I was stressed about the idea of coming back to North America to pursue this thing that stressed me out. Isn't that so weird? Mm -hmm. Like, it was supposed to be the thing that I loved, but I often associated so much anxiety with it. And do you still feel that way? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes and no. Like, over the years, I'd say it's softened a bit. The The more I reject it, ironically, the better I feel about it because I think the thing for me with acting particularly was that I always felt I had to be a certain way or a certain thing in order to get the role or be a certain person that I was not and so it always has felt for me like reaching and striving for something that is a better version of myself right as opposed to this is who I am what I've got right now yeah, that's interesting. That's, I think, also super relatable for a lot of people because I think as young kids, whether whatever your 
pursuit is, it's like this really unattainable thing Mm. in your mind. Right. And it's not like you're given the steps to like, well, you might be given the steps to get there, but no one tells you that like that can, that thing can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Right. It's not up here on a pedestal. Yeah. It can be whatever you want to be. Right. And so like you're constantly reaching for something that feels just out of your grasp. Yes. Right. Pretty much what it feels like I would say. Yeah. And I never really found, I, I mean, ideally I would have left theater school with a sense of this is my voice and this is who I am. I wouldn't say I really found that. And so the pursuit of acting has often felt like, oh, this role is this person. So I have to make sure I act this way. And there wasn't really a discovery process or like, um, an actual, you know, this is how I get through this. There was no exploration or, um, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. I just didn't feel very empowered as an actor, to be honest. I never felt like I had control over my life because I was constantly sending out these audition things. And then on the side, I'm working this restaurant gig that stresses me the fuck out and exhausts me. And I'm not getting positive energy coming back from the other side as well. Right. Putting out these feelers. Did it feel like you, what you were putting into it wasn't coming back to you? Yeah, I would say so. And I think that's why I really like, I I would go through spurts through the years because I, I have been working in restaurants ever since. So I would take classes and I would really enjoy it and then I would hate it and then I'd go back and then I'd hate it and then I'd go back. And then I'd do all the other things that I thought I was supposed to do. Like I'd record a voice demo reel and do all these other things. But then always get that moment of frustration when it's like, I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do, but I'm not getting anything back from it. And like, yeah. Yeah, it's a really weird space to be in too. Especially if you don't feel empowered in your art. That's the thing. Right. Right. Because really, I never had that drive that some people do to like create their own things and make their own things. It's a discipline. Yeah. But I think it's really funny because I certainly had that when I was a kid. And like, you know, when you're a kid, you're just writing stories all the time and like chapters of books and stupid shit. You don't care. You're just doing it because you want to do it and because it develops something within you. Mm -hmm. But I totally lost my mojo. To put it in a, <laughs> in a like understand. A, to put it like Austin Powers would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. I don't know. It's it's different when you come to this huge city and I guess it's pretty easy to get lost in it a little bit. Yeah. It yeah, I, I would yeah. It's really easy to hide in mm-hmm. a city of six million people. Definitely. Definitely. And it's easy to like psych yourself down for it if you have anxiety or not. (laughs) I mean, I can't count the number of like additions or classes I've like woken up, gotten ready for, and then just like convinced myself not to go for one way or another. Isn't that weird? Like you just, well, especially if you go to a lot and then you don't get them and then you're just like, what's the point? So tiring. You're just like, yeah, I worked late last night. I don't want to get out of my fucking bed. There's two feet of snow outside. There's also a difference between that and just like like some people would be like, well, that's just, you're just being lazy. It's not lazy. There's like a serious issue with like, clearly you don't think something in you is telling you. Yeah. yeah. That's not laziness. That's not laziness. It's yeah. something is happening and it's making yeah. you feel a certain way. And that's what anxiety, that's what stress, that's what like depression is, what all those things are. You just like, can't, can't do it sometimes. 
Yeah. And also I had to kind of learn to listen to that voice sometimes too, mm-hmm. because it got to the point where I had done a few free films trying to build up this demo reel sort of thing. And I think the first time that I really abandoned everything was last summer at because we were working these crazy long shifts, like Girl. starting sometimes at 8 a.m., finishing at 6. Um, if you worked a double, you worked, what, like a 14-hour day? Without a break, because you would be on the patio and it would be yeah. too busy to take a break. Yeah, and just... And the and the evening servers would come in and they'd be like, I just got here, I shouldn't be doing any work. And you're like, well, I've been here since 8 a.m. and I haven't eaten, I haven't peed. Yeah. So... Get on the floor, you fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I just, there was no way I could balance that and the pursuit of anything else. No, I don't, I don't know how I survived last summer. But the weird thing is, there was also a relief with that. Because finally, for the first time, I didn't have that feeling of something hanging over my head, of something I was supposed to be doing on the side. Mm -hmm. Of like okay, I just did this job all day. You know, most people just work an eight or a nine hour a day and then their day, you know, and they're, you know, they're finished their job for the day unless, you know, they have some sort of white collar career, in which case their day is probably just as long. However, you're not thinking about two jobs at the same time, you know, like I just felt like my energy couldn't handle all of those things. That's a huge issue with artists. I talk about that with Ginger all the time is, you don't just like, yeah, sorry, my sister Ginger, you don't just go to work, you do your work for six hours and you're done and you get to go home and relax and you get to not think about it and not think about it. Yeah. You're self-sufficient most of the time as an artist. Yeah. If you go home and don't think about it, you're not going to work or you're not going to have anything to do yeah. and you're going to spiral. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then also finding the time between those days where you work huge on your art and your work, you have to find times to relax and step back and think like, I don't need to work for 14 hours a day, I can take, I can take a day to myself, but a lot of artists don't think that they think they just go, 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 burn yourself out. Yeah. Run away for six months. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then try to come back and be like, I'm here. Yeah. Well, and even if you're not doing something per se, if you've got that anxious brain and you're constantly thinking, I should be doing this, I should be doing this, I have to do this. I'm yeah. burned out before I even get to the point where I'm doing something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm already done. Yeah. So That's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a weird space to be in, I suppose. But also because I'm, you know, I've been working in restaurants for a long time, but certainly I've been on an eight-year stint now in Toronto it got to the point where I kind of was like, okay, I'm doing the same thing year after year, kind of pursuing acting here and there. But like, what about all those things that other people do? Like taking trips overseas and like seeing the world and like, you know, instead of putting down 500 bucks for six weeks of acting class, what, what if I like buy myself some really cool shoes, yeah. cool jacket? Cause like I work so hard for my money. Mm-hmm. Like what happened to the part where, you know, I'm young, I'm a young woman in the city. What happened to that? <laughs> Instead, I'm just, do you feel like you're just like an old woman or do you feel like you're withered away? What do you mean by that? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just feel like there was supposed to be a lot more... It's supposed to be a lot more like you drinking martinis at cocktail bars, finding Mr. Big. Like, I don't know what you asked for. No, no, just, um, 
I wanted to start spending my money on fun things and things that were utterly unnecessary. Right. Things that like, just cause why not? Just, yeah. Just for like purely pleasure sake. Yeah. 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 Cause I think, um, and again, this is a problem with how I think obviously is just with feeling like there was always this obligation to get this other stuff done on the side. Along with that came restriction on things that I could spend money on. Like, yeah, to be, and I mean, there had to be somewhere in between. There has to be an in between. <laughs> She's but, praying for an in between. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just how my brain works with it. So I think, I think it's important to recognize that you're probably not the only one that thinks like that. Right. Please don't feel alone in those crazy feelings because you're not. Let me say, when me and Corinne hit it big, which we will. <laughs> We're going to go out and we're going to buy matching bedazzled gal pal boots. And we don't give a fuck if we only wear them once. That's oh, what we're doing. <laughs> because we can. Okay. That's what, that's what my goal is. I just want to be able to buy a pair of bedazzled Louboutin gal pal boots that I will only oh wear once. Where do these boots I don't care. What, are, what do these boots even look like? Are they pink? No, they're yeah. cow. They're cowgirl. They're right? Are they cowboy? They're cowgirl. They're cowgirl boots. I feel like a knee sure. high cowboy boots. A bedazzle and pink. That's but Louis Vuitton. I don't know if he makes that. I mean, if we paid him enough, he'd probably. Make it. We'll, we'll have the money. You're gonna have the money. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, good luck with that. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just to be self-sufficient would be great. <laughs> so, yeah. That was one of the hardest things about one, though, is seeing all these people wearing these beautiful things and gorgeous outfits. And, like, you know, when a woman walks by with these, like, slick pair of black heels and they've got that red underneath, those, what is it, Manolo? Those are Louboutins. Those are, oh, those no. are Louboutins? No, no, no. Uh, not, not, not Louis Vuitton, Louboutin. Louboutin. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to try. They look really good. As Cardi B would say. Red bottom shoes. <laughs> the fancy shoes. Yeah. I just, um, there was it's, a part of me that was like, and we're missing out on something. It's also very weird to feel like, uh, to see class difference in front of you like that. Yes. It's, there's something weird about that where you don't think about it until you see it every day. Yeah. You're like, wow, these people are wealthy yes (laughs) and not like just like oh i can afford a home and a car and my life is i mean like okay very fucking wealthy yeah like i can go and spend 900 dollars on a bottle of wine and not bat an eye yeah yeah i mean three times a week (laughs) the huge statement for me is always when people roll in with like the weird louis vuitton duffel bag the one that that everybody has they use use it as like a gym bag and i'm like i don't you just think what? Why did you buy that? <laughs> and I'm in like my ripped jean jacket and like Blundstones and looking pale AF. Like it's not, it's bad. But the thing is, you probably have this chill as fuck vibe that, that they can never have. And they're probably jealous. Thanks. Thanks for making me feel that way. <laughs> you never know though. You never know. It's true. We're just like commenting from the outside. Yeah. yeah. But it's also weird. Like, I think one of the first things that I thought was just how the people weren't any different just because you have a lot of money. I mean, you know this, but when you see it, it's different. They're literally not any different. There are people there that I would not think are rich and they are rich. And then there's people there that have a lot of money and wear these beautiful things, but I don't necessarily feel like 
they can fill it out because they don't have any character. Right. Um, and I don't mean that in a critical way because I certainly, I actually grew to not resent the people when I was working there. Um, just because I don't want to be that person. Right. <clears throat> Did you ever want to be that person? To be like, have a lot of money and... No, I mean, things. I don't want to be that person that's resentful just because... You don't have something. Yeah. And because they have a lot of money and... I don't want to resent the fact that I'm working there and working for them. Because... I mean, they're human beings too when you come down to it. In fancy trappings. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and also, I don't know, maybe just as an... Maybe it was my acting training. Maybe it's just who I want to be. I always find myself wondering how this other person lives and what they come from. And like, because when you get down to it, we're all just sad, lonely little creatures, I think. <laughs> we desire human connection. But when I see somebody, you know, with pumped up lips or trying to become something else or somebody who's rude or doesn't acknowledge or see me, I kind of wonder what happens in their life. Like, when do they ever felt feel seen or acknowledged for really who they are? Are they ever truly comfortable? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're constantly trying to get the newest piece of technology or fashion or change your face, like, right? when's the point that you get to be you? Mm -hmm. So as much as I can struggle with that, I'm probably ahead of the game when I compare myself to somebody like that. Right. Because they may never reach that point where they're actually asking that question. Because you can just get yourself caught up in that struggle in that game of like, who's the fittest fashionist, fashionist, more followers. Yeah. That's just a never ending game. It's a never ending power struggle. I would it's never cycle. Want to play that. Yeah. That might be part of what I don't, enjoy about the acting world as well that you're putting on something that's not you yeah and the thing is now it's more than ever there's this game as well with social media there you know you have to put out this twitter feed and this instagram feed there was a woman that i was in class with and i went for coffee with her two years ago and she was saying people don't know this but because of this show i am contractually obligated to to update my facebook feed constantly so the best thing she could do was keep it to things that she was passionate about. I think she was very outdoorsy, um, very into nature. Um, but otherwise she never would have been on social media. Right. Oh, that's interesting. It was just all promotion more promotion, promotion, promotion. And that's one of the things that I don't love. And that really steers me away. I think from pursuing an acting career is that you're never going to stop hustling. You're never going to stop selling yourself. You're never going to stop trying to, convince somebody that you are sellable or that you are worthy of being sold or just all of these things that I don't think lead me closer to myself. It feels like they lead me farther away. Mm -hmm. Do you have a timeline then for when you'll stop? Is stop. that a fair question? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I got to a point about a year and a half ago where I'd been working at the same restaurant for three years and I just felt like I was doing everything the same, kept doing the same things over and over again. So I quit on the spot, which I would never recommend to anybody because you should definitely, well, no, I had a two week, I gave my two weeks, but I didn't have anything else lined up. I was just kind of in this 
fuzzy phase of like, oh, you know, I finally put it out there. The universe will take care of me. Manifest that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really feel like it definitely, it just doesn't quite work that way, especially if you're really fuzzy on your idea of what it is that you want next. <laughs> um, don't do that. Because from there, I've just been kind of like uh, going from experience to experience and certainly gaining knowledge from those things and enjoying that. But um, yeah, I'd say now is the time that I'm kind of like, do I let that go? Because maybe I would feel a little better if I wasn't pursuing this thing. Now is in like 2018. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And the weird thing is the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't feel like I need to give my energy to that. The more I feel a little more empowered and creative, ironically. (laughs) You're also, I think that's interesting. Um, What if your like idea of yourself as an artist changed? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a thing too. Cause you mentioned writing as a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I have never had the urge to write anything since then. I've certainly felt the creative fizzle when I felt like I was, this is the thing, pursuing acting has always felt like pursuing something outside of myself rather than whatever the opposite is. So maybe when I let go of that, I can just be free to do whatever the fuck I want. So what comes from that? Like what will actually surface from that? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. But Do you feel uh, excited by that though? Like you could go anywhere, do anything. I'm in the middle ground because I'm I want to be excited by that, but then I'm also like what what the fuck? Shouldn't I have a life plan? Shouldn't I be like I'm going back to school and doing this and doing this and doing this and like that way I can plan for my retirement and be ready. Have a 401k. And, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Because there is so much pressure from the outside world as well to just, you know, I've certainly heard it from my family. What are you going to do? Be a server all your life? What's wrong with that? There, there isn't anything wrong with it. I'm just physically declining. Oh, <laughs> sure. I am physically declining and I keep thinking there's a job out there that won't do that to me in serving, but it's not true. I mean, then again, there are people who do serve forever and it they allows seem them a lot be... of freedom. Yeah. Financial yeah. freedom, like freedom to just leave if they want to leave. Yeah. And I mean, people bitch about serving a lot, but there is that. It's yeah. just a matter of you're always going to be that person who has to beg to get your Easter weekend off or your Thanksgiving weekend off or... I don't mind working weekends because I actually don't like crowds. I don't want to be at any events that have a lot of crowds. I'd rather be working. Yeah. Um, And then I can go to my coffee shop on like a Monday when nobody's there. I can go out for dinner on Tuesday when it's half price one. Right. Right. But uh, there's definitely things with the restaurant lifestyle that I'm like, okay, I could do this if I understand what it is that I want to create with the rest of my life. So that's where I'm at. There's like, I want to be excited, but I'm also kind of in a hesitant right now sure you got your pilates instructor though yes do you think you'll ever go back to using like because you don't teach now do you no i kind of took it at the time and i was like mat work is really boring i don't want to do this yeah but at the same time i took it because i'd always been curious about it and i had always kind of liked it um but i really at the time was trying to do the film stuff again i think i was trying to send out stuff for that and get myself out to auditions 
And I didn't see how I could balance that and serving and starting a new career in, in fitness, fitness. Yeah. Because I would have had to practice so much. There was a lot of physiological stuff I needed to learn still. And like creating a class all the time while I, while I was supposed to be doing film stuff and sending that out, I just didn't know how to balance it. Again, it was that weird thing of like, how can I make all of this fit right. in my life? And I think how- you have to choose which ones you want to Time and energy is a finite resource. It is. Yeah. It is. And yeah, I think there are some people who are better able to use it. You, for example. Me? <laughs> I don't even know how you survived last summer. I don't. Um, nonstop go, go. But I think I've realized, yeah, and maybe that just, that's the thing too, is knowing how your own energy works and knowing how to use that well. Because I wasn't great about doing that. Because then at least if you do that, you can put your energy into whatever it is you're pursuing for an hour or two and then leave it, right? Yeah. So I think that's the thing too, is like to really be an artist, you have to be great about doing that. And maybe there's a way to do it in a less pressured way where it's not like my career goal. It's just the thing that I do to make Make you happy. happy Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, is it killing you? being an artist fucking killing you is it fucking killing you is it fucking killing you it was killing me it was killing me which is why now i'm in the place of like do i want to be an artist anymore right Hmm. real questions that and that's a question people need to ask yeah yeah and not be scared of it yeah Yeah. i think that's a question people should ask once a year to be honest with you and really really go deep into it yeah yeah well, there was um, Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She has this book called Big Magic. And it was so great. I remember reading it a couple years ago. And I, it said something like, if it's really killing you, I don't know what it was exactly her wording, but if it's killing you, if, it, you know, if it's draining you, if it's taking all your energy, your time, your resources, your money, and you're feeling and that way, you anything. it might not be for you. And yeah. the other day, I remember writing a list of all the things that I could have done when I wasn't, if I hadn't pursued acting in the last few years, and I was like, Oh, that's self abuse. It is. Oh my god, that is self abuse. <laughs> that's that's a, that oh like gave me. Oh, just chills to the bone. Like saw one chills. Everybody just went from laying on the couch to in a tiny. <laughs> if I think about that as a downward spiral, yeah. But if that's what I was thinking, then that says a lot about where I'm at, right? right? Yes. It's not that because I can't take back the time. I've learned a lot about myself and I've grown a lot. Definitely. Um, can't take that time back. But if that's where my mindset is, maybe that tells me about where I need to be, about where I need to be moving forward. Right. About all those things that I wanted to do that I, I haven't done. It's kind of like, oh, well, Interesting interesting that that's where my brain goes instead of like look at all the things that I've done but then maybe I'm just being a pessimist who knows who friggin' knows I can overthink anything so (laughs) also you're still young yeah you can do whatever you want Uh, (laughs) you're still young you're fine well it starts to not feel that way once you hit your like 30s and (laughs) then I'm like wow I've still been serving for a long time and I'm seeing people with their houses and their babies, which are not things that I ever wanted, 
But I'm also like, well, what about Babies are overrated. They shit everywhere. It's fine. It's true. <laughs> it's Nobody true. wants a fucking they baby. Shit also, like, everywhere. if you're going to buy a house, you would have to leave Toronto. So why do you want yeah. that house? Yeah. Yeah, Toronto's hard, though. It's tiring. But I also don't see myself anywhere else. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. I was like, yeah, I could go to London, live with my mom for a year. But then London is so hick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get that. I just <laughs> wish I could be in a quieter section of Toronto with... You can move out to Roxasvale. Yeah. Wait, how did you just say that? Roxasvale? Oh. Did I say wrong? I don't really know. <laughs> it just sounded weird the first time you said it for some reason. I don't really know how you're supposed to sit. You can move out here. You can yeah. move to Roncy. No. Maybe. There you go. Maybe. Something a little more chill. Perfect. Yeah. Um, on that note, Gal Pal Productions. Oh, do you, wait. Is there anything you want to plug? Oh, yeah. No, you're not a big social media person? Oh. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Um, I did take acting lessons for a long time at Lewis Bomander's studio. I would definitely recommend it to anybody who's interested in film acting. He has a very unique perspective that comes from sort of how the brain works and how we think about things and how to get into the moment, not from the outside, but from what happens within you. Cool. Yeah. That sounds very esoteric, but it's very science-based and it's cool. It's a cool studio. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Go for so it. So we were here with Lindsay France- Francisco. I almost, I almost messed it up. Lindsay Francisco, thank you so much. Ah, thank you. That was amazing. Was Thanks so for being amazing. open and vulnerable and telling us about all your feelings. Yeah, that was so nice. It felt more like a like a nice conversation than an interview. Yeah. Yay. Um, a couple of housekeeping. Yes. Oh. Go like our page on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. At GalPalProds. Um, also, please rate, review, leave a poop emoji, leave a smiley emoji, leave whatever the fuck you want. Just please say something because it makes us more <laughs> viewable. Yeah. <laughs> also. Even if, even if you don't listen on iTunes, go rate us and review us on iTunes. Perfect. Because we know we have a lot more Spotify listeners than iTunes listeners. Right. Go to iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just leave a review. You don't even need to, like, spend any money or do whatever. Just no. just leave a review. Also, our podcast is free. Yeah. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> but if you do want to, we do have a Patreon account. Yes. And if you're looking for some premium after-hours content of Gal Pal Productions, check out our Patreon. You can donate just $5 a month. You'll get behind-the-scenes photos of our rehearsals, of our podcast, maybe even an extra podcast just for patreon yep donators we're thinking about it behind the scenes let us know secret episodes right yeah so go check us out on patreon every little bit counts Mm -hmm. this is completely funded by us and like i really like wine so please please (laughs) please go donate that is a valid reason to donate yeah Yeah. you're helping an artist live her fucking life yeah (laughs) thank you anyway thank you guys so much thank you Lindsay. it's been nice to be be here with you. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah.